On this episode of the Popcorn Diet, we are feeling the need, the need for speed again. That's right. We saw Top Gun Maverick. Get your popcorn ready. What kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who's going to teach us? They will start with what you only think you know. Nice. What the hell? Easy, Maverick. Let's try not to get fired on the first day. We're going into combat on a level never seen. Think up there, you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Oh my god, here they come! Top Gun Maverick, rated PG-13. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us today, we have a special guest movie buddy, one who has been waiting, I would say, nearly three years to talk about this movie. My boss, David's boss, C- CEO, president of Red Tail, Brian hey. McLaughlin. Today, man. Hey, how are you we, doing? We could say CEO. <laughs> I have been waiting for this day. I Finally, I'm on the Popcorn Diet podcast. I'm so excited. And we are talking about my favorite movie. Dude, I'm... We're talking about the new, the sequel, uh, whatever you want to call this next one. But uh, Top Gun, the original, was just, I mean, my favorite movie of all time. So talk on that a little bit. Because you, I mean, we're not going to get into age differences here. But you're a little older than I was. I think I was a baby when Top Gun came out. And and I love listen, don't get me wrong, like Top Gun's dope. I love Top Gun. The the theme, the anthem, the everything about it, the Val Kilmer of it all, the Tom Cruise of it all, uh, the Tony Scott of it all, just an incredible uh, 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 artifact of the 80s and exactly. artifact of movie making. But why do you love it? Talk on that. You were a kid. Uh, how old were you, do you think? What was it, 89? No, 86. Oh, I was, uh, let's find out, actually. <laughs> let's. So here's the thing, though, right? For me, I was 11 when okay. this hit. The summer blockbuster. And so I think I was just at the right age at the right time to have this just movie impression put on me. Like, yeah. Was, oh, my God. I've never seen anything like this. This is ridiculous. And I was always in the planes. I always have been in the planes. So you give me a, a combat scene, F-14 is one of my favorite planes, and put that all together with Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer and uh, who Michael Ironside and um, who's Viper again? Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. Jeez, the cast was amazing, you know? And then you had the emotional ties of like Goose dying. Oh my God, terrible. And just all these heartfelt things, but then you had fighter action again, you know, fighting Migs, carrier launches. I mean, I don't think anybody ever really seen that in a movie theater before. And not, in, not in that way. No. So for me, I think it was just really impressionable at that age. It's a perfect age. It locked you in. I was, this is going to hurt. So I apologize. Were you born yet? I was four days old. Oh my God. <laughs> so Top, Top Gun and I are the same age. Much of an impression on you because, yeah. It's true. I have 11 years on you. Okay. So. That, that to me is why it meant so much. It was just such a big moment of like the, your first big blockbuster as a kid uh, that I can really remember. And I remember seeing it on the big screen and just like, I've probably seen it a hundred times now. 
What's your favorite part of the original, uh, the OG? Oh, of course, the inverted negative G flyover or you know <laughs> pass, whatever they call that. But you know, when he goes over and gives them the you know, the dipl- the flight. diplomatic communications. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's an amazing scene. I love it when they're all sitting there and Charlie walks out and, uh, you know, she has top secret and they talk about that. And, you know, Goose, you know, giving the bird, you know, international relations, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Those are just super memorable scenes. That and it I is. Can't forget. And it is, you know, I my movie, my movie like that is Jurassic Park. Like that, you know, dinosaurs for me is airplanes for you. You know, it's it's that thing. I mean, look behind me. I got I mean, you can't see it. It's a visual or it's an audio medium, but I got Jurassic Park right behind me, you know, and you got flight stuff right behind you. You got flight stuff all over you. So I know that beat. I know that very well. Was it I mean, and waiting for this, you know, oh. How long? Two years at least to lay, right? Over, I mean, counting the original announced release date plus reshoots plus COVID, over a thousand days. Over a thousand days delayed from when it was originally announced to be released. Wow. Yeah, so I remember uh, because we go up to South Lake Tahoe all the time here in Sacramento, outside Sacramento, and I remember that they brought up, and maybe we'll talk about it, um, and did film scenes in the hangar at the airport up there and i was just pumped that just pumped me up even more i'm like oh my god they're actually here they're actually making the film i mean because what it's been 30 what third i mean when it was actually made and actually canned it was probably about 32 years sure something like that i mean 36 years it's been a long time for this sequel we might say air quote sequel uh to come out and yeah, for as we said, I mean, with me having such a tie to the movie, when I saw them starting to film locally, I'm like, holy crap. Uh, I know we'll talk about later on some of the stuff. I don't want to spoil anything. So when we get to the spoiler section, we can talk some more about locations and stuff like that. For sure, for sure. Um, but that's rad, being able to see it happen. And, and originally, so I looked it up. Originally, it was announced to be released July 12th, 2019. That was the original release date. And then they delayed it to June 26th. They had no idea COVID was going to happen. Obviously, we were we were still six months away from COVID, you know, even longer, probably from being COVID being like a real, real thing. And they delayed it to shoot more action sequences, to shoot more of the complex action sequences. And I think my favorite thing is they did not. And it's probably the Tom Cruise of it all. And we'll have to talk about the Tom Cruise of it all. They didn't budge on this being theatrical. They they didn't punch it up to Paramount Plus. They didn't sell it to Netflix or Amazon because a lot of a lot of studios did that. They needed they had movies. One of the one of the craziest things to me is the fact that there are still to this day movies that have been completed for two, three years. They're done. They are ready for audiences, but we have not seen them. And they've been maybe even longer, four years or longer since the actors and directors even worked on them. So the fact that this, this, they stuck to it. They're like, we're not putting it on small screens. And Tom Cruise became. Movies though, right? That, I mean, it'd be such a huge service if the first time you watched it was on your flat screen at home. I don't even care how big it is. Even if you have a movie theater at home. 
it's not the same because you guys see it like on IMAX. I mean, yeah. the bigger, the louder, the better to get all those visuals. Because I mean, they spent so much time, they, they no expense spared uh, on all the visuals, all the action scenes, you know, the way they filmed it. You watch some of the behind the scenes trailers and stuff like that about how they did it. You know, the actors actually had to learn how to fly. They actually had to film themselves in there and stuff like that. I mean, it was wild. But they didn't skip it. They, you're right. They did not throw it to Paramount Plus or HBO or something like that and say, "Here you go." Uh, you can see it both ways. Like, no, stick to your guns, you know, and uh, keep that lock on the movie theaters. And I think it was a huge win. I mean, I looked at the numbers uh, yesterday. Massive. massive box office numbers. I mean, even for a, a pre-pandemic year, it was massive. Yeah. Well, biggest biggest uh, Memorial Day weekend of all time. It beat, yeah, it beat, uh, I think, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which is how long that record has stood. Wow. That's 10 plus years that that record has stood. And it's the highest grossing. What? I was Tom, I mean, Tom Cruise, I mean, what is he, 60? That's the other thing. Who knows? That's the other thing. And that's the interesting part about it is the Tom Cruise of it all, because Tom Cruise, as much of a movie star as he was, this is his biggest opening ever. He was never in the age of $100 million opening weekends or $150 million opening weekends, or even like the big ones, $200 million opening weekends for these event movies like Endgame and stuff like that. Tom Cruise never had that anywhere. He never sniffed that. And now it's already over 300 million worldwide. It's probably with any of the, mission, the recent Mission Impossible's Ghost Protocol or I think those the highest they got. I don't have the stats in front of me, but the highest they got were in the seventies, eighties. Oh, really? That low? Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Mission Impossible, like Mission Impossible Fallout is probably the most possible or the most uh, successful. The you know the. The most popular yeah. one. That one made almost eight hundred million dollars worldwide. Um, but it's, you know, it's opening weekend was, you know, the funniest thing. It's total domestic gross. Total domestic gross was only two hundred twenty million. Which he's now passed on this movie. Alone. Exactly. That's so, wild. so even Mission Impossible Fallout, which many consider to be the best many consider to be one of the best action movies of the last decade. Fantastic. Even that didn't touch what uh, Top Gun did. It has a, it has a new uh, Top, you know, Top Gun <laughs> movie set here for, uh, he, you know, he, he just changed the limits, you know, just blew it out of the water. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. One, I mean, obviously Tom Cruise looks great. I mean, he's obviously been training for this he's fit he's ready to go he looks the same as he did in fallout i mean the guy never ages i don't think um and you know here he comes to something so big so blockbuster like this that i think the blockbuster of it all is because of people like me who grew up with the original and three decades of waiting for a follow-up i mean three decades and that's a long time for people who really love the original so it's true but how do i you know, I love the movie. Yeah, let's talk about the actual movie itself. Have you, have, we, have you seen it only the one time we saw it together? Yeah, I might I'm see it again this weekend. On I've yeah. only seen it the one time, but we saw it as a big group event. 
we went with 20 plus other people and we had a late showing. It was 1020 after a long day of meetings and a top golf event and all kinds of stuff. And I had no caffeine in me. I didn't even drink a soda. And I was awake the entire time. It held me the entire time. I had no struggles, no issues. And I saw it back to back. So I joined you that night, came home to Sacramento. We saw it in Phoenix, came back to Sacramento, saw it with a good friend of mine, uh, probably two hours after I landed. I was exhausted. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it through. I was too tired. I was just ready to go. Like it's just the second the music hits the intro, boom, done. I'm pumped up, you know? So, and we won't get into, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the movie itself in spoilers and we'll get into the minutia of it because this movie is so many different things. It can be, it's obviously a sequel. It's a legacy sequel as men, as many people, I don't know what, like, I guess legacy sequel is specifically for these sequels that are introducing new cast members while bringing in the old cast members. Cause technically like every sequel is a legacy sequel. Like, it's a sequel. It continues the story, but it's also a bit of a remake, bit of a reboot, bit of a little bit of everything. And yeah, I man. Why it was so masterful and why it's so popular, right? They had so many of the fan feeling tags, you know, the, the tugs on your heartstrings of like, oh my God, yes, I remember this. I mean, and it does start from the second the movie starts. It feels like the original 33 years ago. Yeah. 33 years ago. Uh, it feels like it. It starts with Danger Zone and all that. It does all the same feels. And you're just like, I'm in. But you notice right away, and everybody sees this on the trailers, not, not giving away anything here, is that the difference is the aircraft mm. are different. You can realize that it's more modern. They're not the same, right? There's no F-14. And so we don't fly those anymore. So it's F-18s and it's F-35s there, which I thought was pretty cool. The one shot they had an F-35 on a carrier. But it does the exact same intro as the original movie. Starts on a carrier, shows the guys working on the planes, launching the planes. And then the second, you know, that one aircraft goes off at the end of the credits, boom, instant danger zone, and we're back into the movie. Exactly. It's, like never it's literally like 36 years disappeared. You were there. It is literally released a year after. I think I think that that's what this movie does is really, really intelligent. And what it does is that it starts out with an overt callback, like overt, almost as you pointed out, you you pointed out the differences. But if you're not a big plane aficionado, you might not even be able to tell it's different at all. You might you might argue that the footage is completely reshot. But it's also this is a very old fashioned movie. This is a movie that doesn't have some type of, you know, villain that, you know, we have to understand the psyche of. It doesn't have, you know, these, you know, all of these these running plots of we got to chase this thing. We got to find this thing. We got to go, 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 go. It's actually way more earnest, I would argue, in a not negative way a little cheesy, a little hokey in some of its things, but like in the best possible way, in the way that it makes it feel really comfortable. Um, I think the most clever thing that this movie does is it's kind of built like a sports movie. It's, it's rather than, and this is, 
I think we're not going to talk too deeply about the plot and what happens, but this movie is basically built like a sports movie in that we are training for the big game. You know, we are, we are practicing to win. And unlike the original Top Gun, where it was, uh, we're, we're just, yeah, we're just trying to graduate. It's more like a school movie, you know? Yeah, it's a competition, right? It is what it really is between Valcom or Maverick and the original. Uh, and Iceman and Maverick are duking it out. And, you know, of course, Maverick gets into it because Cougar can't cut it and can't believe I'm sending you up a Top Gun. Yeah. And the movie ends with him going in to be a Top Gun instructor. Right. And so, I mean, it set it up for a sequel instantly right there, and they never did it, but, but until now. And so it's really interesting how they kept a, that storyline still continuing with also acknowledging a massive gap in time has occurred. Exactly. Right? And because, yeah, that's the last time we saw Maverick. He was young, hot shot. He was the top of the top. And, you know, who was, who's the best wingman type stuff? And and nothing. Yeah. So I really appreciate how this movie honored that original blockbuster and a lot of times. But I'm interested. Do you think you need to see the first one to see this, to see Top Gun Maverick? So, no. The short answer is no. Um, yeah, I treat it like uh, a lot of people have described this as the best action movie since Mad Max Fury Road. I would I would tend to agree with that. I think Fallout came between those two and Fallout gives both of these a run for their money. But that's the beauty of a legacy sequel is that if you just watch this movie, it has enough of its own pathos. It has enough of its own drama and it has enough of its own storytelling power for you to understand all of the emotional beats of everybody thinks Maverick is old and washed up. And he has this obvious, you know, emotional um, conflict with rooster and all of these things without having to see the first movie. But if you see the first movie, it's that much more enriching, right? Particularly, particularly in the way that it deals with like the, like the death of goose and, you know, Cinema is filled with great tragedies. You know, there are there are great deaths in movies that are like just a tragic, you know, who I'm going to spoil a bunch of movies right away. But like who who dying at the end of Turner and Hooch or the Terminator and Terminator 2 or Tom Hanks and Saving Private Ryan or Leo DiCaprio and Titanic, like great tragedies. Right. And I don't know that Goose ever got. Like Goose was always like, oh, Goose. Oh, it's one of the greats, but almost facetiously because it's Top Gun and Top Gun was this 80s action movie. This movie treats that loss of Goose with such reverence that it validates every fan's emotional connection to his death. Well, That's Goose, really smart. In the first movie was just such an impactful moment for so many people watching it for the first time. And, you know, here it was the, the character, you know, played by Anthony Edwards, and he's sitting there, he's playing Great Balls of Fire on the piano, he's got a kid, the wife, they're all great, this amazing American family, a fighter pilot, all this type of stuff, and you lose that, right? Yeah. And he deals with the sorrow of all that. Uh, 
in that movie, it was just a big chunk of that film. And it's how it drove the rest of the story for to show that Maverick could overcome his emotional, you know, limitations of dealing with Goose, dealing with his dad, all of that, right? He goes and talks to Viper uh, on the beach house and he's like, hey, what, you know, tell me about my dad, basically. <laughs> you know, right. he, he does. I think it's something like, you know, so if I tell you this, it could get me kicked out of the air of the Navy. <laughs> he tells them anyways. So it's all those tie-ins. You needed that death. And it happens what what basically in the first third of the movie, maybe right in the half million mark, he, he dies, something like that. And so it's right there. It's not that tragic end like Leo at, <laughs> in Titanic right. at the end. Right. It's it's not the ending tragedy, it's a middle tragedy, which is really interesting. Yeah, and it, it gives, well, it gives, and again, not to talk too much about the original Top Gun, but it gives, you know, Maverick in, in that movie is such a hot shot. You know, he's, uh, he's you know, we'll talk about Hangman and, Go- and Rooster and all those guys yeah. in a little bit, but he's such a hot shot that he, he, needs, he needed something to take him down a peg. And not only does it, and like every good movie, not only does it take him down a peg, not only does it humble him, but it scares him to the point of where like, he's got to get the eye of the tiger back. You know, it doesn't just yeah. take, it doesn't just take him down to where he needs to be. It, it, it course corrects his character to the point of where he is now below where he needs to be is at his lowest point and he needs to rise up. It's not just about having your ego checked. It's about meeting adversity having it knock you on your ass and then rising up to meet that adversity. And that's another thing that I think both Top Gun and this original movie do really, really well is that, you know, for a movie that's about fighter jets and and Jack dudes, you know, playing football in their jeans on the beach, like as much as it is like masculine military energy, what I really admire about it is that most of the conflicts of this movie are internal interpersonal emotional conflicts it's about guys dealing with their emotions and that's actually like really admirable yeah it's the emotional the emotional work in this and we don't want to get into spoilers yet um the emotional storytelling in this movie is so good uh, i mean it's so believable you're just sucked in like just the actors did a fantastic job of expressing the emotion that that character would feel at certain moments that are really impactful, really serious moments in the movie. You know, it's not all just action, just like the no. first one. It's not, it's not all just love story. It's a mix of love story, action, emotional uh, challenges, uh, you know, rising to the occasion moments. I mean, all of that in one movie. That's what I think makes it a $300 million Memorial Day movie. It, it is what they call a four quadrant movie, which is where it hits men and women above and below a certain age. Yes. Right. That's your four quadrant movie. And you're absolutely right. It has something for everybody. Let's talk about those performances. Let's talk yeah. about how real well everybody does, because Tom Cruise is not Tom Cruise might be a great movie star. The argument could be made. He is not the world's greatest actor. You know, the Academy has never really shown him a ton of love. He's gotten a few nominations over the years, but credit where credit's due. Like this movie lets Tom Cruise kind of act his ass off in like a really good way. He's dealing with a lot of trauma. He's dealing with a lot of, you know, 
a lot of what probably he's dealing with in, in his real life. A lot of, I'm not ready to be put out to pasture yet, you know, meeting the end of your service and all of those types of things. And there are moments in this film earlier on um, when, uh, you know, when he's first kind of engaging with the young crew and whatnot, where he's doing like legit acting. And I loved it. I thought Tom Cruise was great in it. What, what about, what were some of your favorite performances or some of the things that stuck out to you in terms of like the cast and whatnot? I mean, Cruise does, does exactly what Cruise does. <laughs> yeah, it felt, you, I mean, it's Mission Impossible, Cruise and Top Gun, the same kind of thing. More emotional, obviously, because of the story. I think there's some great stuff, but that really falls into spoilers too when we talk about some of the, the more serious stuff. Uh, I loved Miles Teller in this movie. Like, he just blew me away. And I've liked him before this movie, but Rooster, the character he plays, uh, and dealing with the tragedy of his dad and how uh, Maverick was impactful in a negative way to him, right? Uh, his career, and we'll talk about that, but it was, it's really interesting, all these tie-ins. And, and, you know, because it's a fighter movie, you have two two acting type styles going on, right? You have the one where you can see the, everything, you can see them, no mask, no nothing, but a lot of the movie is them wearing an oxygen mask in a fighter jet. Yeah. And his eyes have so much expression in them. And it's just, you feel the emotion, you feel the pain he feels, you feel the excitement he feels in different parts, and you're just brought in, literally with his eyes. It's crazy. Uh, and he's like the level-headed one, right? It's it's really kind of interesting to watch uh, Miles Teller do that. Jennifer Connelly, hundred percent love. Oh, I mean, listen, she is hilarious. She kicks the cruise's ass in a lot of parts of this, you know. Uh, she's not someone to mess with, and I really appreciate that. It's a it's a powerful. She's a business owner. She's a powerful uh, female character mm -hmm. that influences crews in different ways and that's fantastic to see them you know doing that and bring that in because i don't feel like charlie really she was like oh always kind of more pensive right because right the fire right. just was pilots would say something to her she kind of backed down you know more mm -hmm. passive this is not that type of female primary you know main character she is uh much more aggressive much more knows what she wants um and they play it off well too. They're not like saying, "Hey, oh, she's single. We're gonna make her look younger." It's so like, no, she has a kid. Yep, she's a teenage kid. Uh, she's a mom and a business owner, and all she's that a stuff. she's and, a very successful, complete woman on her own. Yeah, she doesn't need Tom. She doesn't need Maverick. Who cares? No, and it's yeah. really it's really clever. And again, this is another thing this movie does really well. Is you know we talk about the thirty years in between these movies. This movie does such a good job of really subtly filling in the gaps of what happened in those 30 years without you ever needing to see it. The fact that they have her character be the Admiral's daughter, Penny, that they talk about at the beginning yeah. of the first one, and the fact that the conversations they have indicate that, oh, these two have a history. These two, she's not just some random love interest brought in. That's so, that's such clever writing. And so clever. We don't yes. give John, we, we as a society don't give Jennifer Connelly enough credit because the way uh, the director, Joseph Kaczynski, shoots her in this movie, Joseph Kaczynski directed uh, Tron Legacy, 
Uh, he directed Only the Brave, really, really good Only the Brave movie. D- did uh, uh, Tom Cruise's Oblivion and whatever. He shoots Jennifer Connelly like a like a goddess. And yeah, it's like Wonder Woman. It's like Gal Gadot. Incredible. Just well, well done. Um, so she was awesome. I mean, I love all the other pilots. John Hamm is one character. I talk about talk about this guy. Talk about this guy. Number one is Sean Ham, which is really weird that it's Sean Ham because he he can play so much more than this. But this type of movie needs this type of character. The stick in the mud, curmudgeon asshole who who is standing in the way of the internal conflict being resolved. Right. How did that read to you? Oh, well, I mean. For me, it's 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 interesting, right? Because there's a couple of things here. One, they make a reference that he is also a Top Gun pilot. Yeah, but now he's like, it was he's the air boss. Like, how does that happen? And there's no story that just instantly happened. Like, and he was like, like right before, right after Maverick got his Top Gun uh, trophy or whatever. It's talking about John Hamm. He's just he's underrated in this movie. First of all, I think he does a great job uh, of dealing with being the bad guy in the movie, being yeah. the stick in the mud, the blocker, and he's not the only one. Ed Harris is another one. Oh. He does a phenomenal bad. He's just he's just a perfect asshole in this movie. Every movie, every, every movie could benefit from just five minutes of Ed Harris dressing down the main character and then being like, "Get the hell Absolutely. out of my office." <laughs> And so John, you know, they have that, but then they, they add John Hamm for the rest of the movie, and he just does a great job of just bringing everything, connecting the dots of like his of Maverick's past history, Maverick's gap of time that he helps explain, mm-hmm. and then, but then you have his counterpoint of Warlock, right? Who is like the balancing, like it's I feel like it's almost like a Harry Potter type thing, like you know, Josh Hamm is like Professor Snape, like. <laughs> we all think he's a bad guy until the end, and you realize he's really not that bad of a guy. He's just trying to get his damn job done. Yeah, and he doesn't want to dick anymore. So you know, I'm not going to screw with the old man. Uh, I'm dealing with Maverick, so he's just like, get out of my way. Let me just do my job. It's good. It's and the classic good like, cop, bad cop. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really enjoyed his role, and a lot of the pilots. I mean, all the pilots are great. They have a female pilot, uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. Badass. Uh, absolutely love some of the comedian work with Bob. Bob, great. <laughs> Bob. Like what? And again, what a nice little touch to differentiate him from everybody else. Just well, be like new goose, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Hangman. Now, did you've obviously you've read up a bunch about this movie? I think the yes. fun part about Glenn Powell. Number one, I'm a huge Glenn Powell fan. He was in. Uh, Richard Linklater, like one of the only Richard Linklater movies that I really love called Everybody Wants Some. And the dude's just a movie star. Like he is just waiting to like break out. He he just has superstar energy. And he is a, we'll talk about it a little more in spoilers in a little bit, but he is such a good foil for not only Rooster, but also Maverick. He is such a great mirror of Maverick. He's not Iceman. He's Maverick. And I yes. love I you love that. that movie because I think I had it backwards originally and I was thinking about it going, no, you're right. 
Hangman is the new Maverick. Right. Exactly. If they were to do a, a if they were to make this a trilogy, <laughs> he would be the new Maverick in the movies. And I guess Rooster would be the new Iceman. Or there's no new Iceman really. Something like that. Yeah, because it's tough to tell who would it be. Maybe maybe a coyote or something like that, you know. Yeah. I mean the I mean if there were a sequel and, and we can get a little, we can, we can speculate a little more in spoilers, but if there were a sequel, it would less, it would be now they are less the new Iceman and the new Maverick. And they are now hangman and rooster. They are now, you know, their own characters and their own kind of mashups of it all where, you know, rooster has the humility, but the, precision you know the 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 steady hand you know i'm going to take my time and i'm going to do it right whereas hangman has the cockiness and the arrogance but also the you know the maverick of it all. I, I think maybe i'm thinking about this i think calling a rooster like uh ice man be wrong because he's just he's just rooster it's, it's exactly different character but coyote i think could be if you're going to reference it back, it could be the Iceman. The reason being uh, was, as we talked about, there's a scene that's similar to what Iceman does in the first movie of blocking Maverick right. and problems. And there's that. So, I mean, it's a total stretch, though. I mean, I am really stretching here. But because I would love to just tie that together. Like, oh, that was a really cool tie back into that uh, storyline. But it is tough. They are original characters. And uh, there's a lot of new original characters in this movie, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and the call signs just make it just it's just cool and easy. I remember when we when I would do laser tag and everybody wanted to be Viper. Like the call signs are just cool. So I I mean I gotta ask you, I'm sure you've thought about this plenty of times, oh. but but what would be your call sign? That's a good question. Um I generally I I was thinking like tailspin or something okay. like that. Kind of a fun, interesting name, you know. Uh, but I guess I'm thinking of like names I use like in gaming today, like Tailspin, Redtail Tech, though. But you know, Redtail, yeah. of course, in my life. So I don't know, but I'm, I'm gonna go with Tailspin. That's Tailspin. I like Tailspin. Um, I would have said Redtail. That would have been mine, obviously, because of our association. Yeah. Um, I think mine would either be like, like. I mean, it might be popcorn, just, you know, that, 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 that accompanies a lot of things. It might be uh, like film fan, something like that. It might just be Rico. I don't know. Like it's, it could be always good. Rico's always good. It's like you want us to be Bob. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Like, so everybody knows Bob. Cause they all, (laughs) cause they all speak. They all speak to their characters a little bit. Um, Yeah. And you got to kind of take that into account. Does it speak to your character? Is it something you love? Does it represent you in some way, shape, or form? Um, it's fun. You know, call but signs, it, though, historically are given out by your team members when you're right. a newbie. Exactly. So if we took that at Redtail, we've done that for years, which is you kind of earn your nickname over the years. Yours, of course, is Ricky Redtail. Made sense. R&R is awesome. You know, David, we call Sunday School, stuff like right. that. That would be your call sign. Well, then <laughs> yours would be yours would be Kahuna or Big Kahuna. Big Kahuna, yeah, exactly. So I'll take, I'll take Big Kahuna. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. I love it. 
I love it. All right. Now, obviously, you know, we, we got to give our ratings. We got to give our popcorn, our official popcorn ratings for Top Gun Maverick. What's that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to the podcast before, we do our ratings a little bit differently. Instead of a thumbs up or a thumbs down or instead of four stars or whatever, we have our popcorn rankings. Burnt popcorn means a movie is garbage. It means don't waste your time at all. Stale popcorn means it's not great. If you have to watch it, you hopefully you're not paying for it because it's 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 not the best thing out there. Microwave popcorn is your mileage may vary. Some people really like microwave popcorn. Some people find it lacking. It's right in the middle. It's fine. It'll do the job. Movie theater popcorn is you should go see this in a movie theater. You should invest the time at some point to go see this on the big screen. And then, of course, perfect popcorn is go out and see this movie as soon as you can on the biggest screen possible. Brian, what would you say? I don't think this is a shock, but what would you say is your popcorn rating for Top Gun Maverick? It's the top rating, 100%, 1,000%. Is there a higher rating? Can I give I, it like not really. <laughs> triple giant popcorn buckets or something? I don't know. Double I mean, golden or gold, uh, what do we say? Perfect popcorn plus a refill. Perfect popcorn with extra butter, a refill. Your Coke is constantly filled up and it's just perfect. Um this movie and I don't maybe the pandemic is kind of influences that some it's my first movie back since the pandemic and that might be some of it but there's just and we're gonna get into the spoilers there's just so many touchbacks and feels to the original it just yeah watching it twice I could watch it a third time I would still love it a thousand percent I agree this is and this is not my first movie back from the pandemic and it's not one that I've been waiting 30 years for this is why movie theaters exist. This is why the Dolby theater exists. This is why IMAX exists. This is the mo- kind of movie. If you go see one movie this summer, and there are a lot of movies. I haven't seen Jurassic World Dominion yet. I haven't seen Bullet Train. Avatar is coming later this year. Who knows? But this is the movie. If you haven't gone to a movie theater since the pandemic opened, and if, if you feel safe, if wherever you are at is, you know, uh, if you wear a mask, you know, I would say that this is the movie to get out and go see in the movie theater. It's, it's a movie. It's a perfect find Largest screen, the best seats, splurge on it. Go take the family and go see it. It's a family-friendly movie. For one. It is. I mean, it's and- not, well... It's got like two bad words in the whole movie. It's got, it's got yeah, it's got one. It's got the the requisite PG thirteen F word, but there's no real sexual stuff. The violence no. is minimal. Actually, like, I, I appreciate the fact that there's a lot less sexual stuff in the first one. Yeah, well, the first one had the weirdest sex scene ever. Fast forward, but it's yeah, this just one of those movies that I do think. I mean, it's a totally different podcast, but Jurassic Park Dominion. That's another one. Same type of movie. I'm ready. That's that's in the next. That's like two. That's like a week away. Um, all right. Let's we got to talk spoilers. We got to talk. Stop and talk and all this vague stuff and talk about our favorite parts. But before we do that, we'll take a quick little break. 
What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, we're back. All right. Man, I don't even know where to start. Where do you want to start? We're in spoilers now. Where do you even want to start? We can just start at the beginning. We can start about... You know, we alluded to the way the fact that this starts the exact same way as the original Top Gun. It even has the opening crawl, which is slightly yeah. adjusted. It's slightly adjusted to say men and women, but like they call this school and then boom, Top Gun right freaking there. And it's and they don't do Top Gun Maverick, they do Top Gun original logo. Yeah. And then like 10 seconds later, add Maverick underneath. They fade it in. Yeah. They straight up honored the original intro. And then the next scene is, of course, exactly like the first movie. You have you have all the producer credits going on, the cast uh-huh. credits and stuff happening while they're showing planes on a carrier, getting prepared for launch to go into a mission or training or whatever. And you've got Kenny Law playing already. It's all the all the feels, and then of course the launch, and you go right in the danger zone. I love the fact that they kept that intro. Yeah, like it's such a huge intro in the world of movies. Uh, it's a famous, famous intro and keeping it the same. But like I said earlier, they updated the equipment on the interview. Obviously, the, f- the film- filmography, is that how you would say The it? cinematography. The cinematography, my apologies. Yeah. The cinematography is way, way better in the 80s. So everything's clearer, everything's brighter, everything's better. It's just, oh, at that moment, I'm in. I don't care how tired you are, you're 100% in. It's it's just so, it's just so well done at setting that up. And then we get into Tom Cruise. I mean, the whole Dark Star sequence is so great because it basically just shows that, you know, just Tom Cruise just wants to fly. That's all he wants to do. And it yeah. shows that he's still he's still sticking it to the authority, but he's still he's a much he's a team player now. You know, he's got a whole team of guys who have rallied around him. You got um, Hondo. His his relationship with Hondo is really, really good and really, really kind of sweet, actually. Um, it kind of supplements some of the goose, you know, the lack of goose there, the fact that these guys are friends. He's basically Maverick's goose now. Right? Yeah. And they never explain how they got connected. They just show that he was kind of... It's weird. He plays a bunch of different roles in this movie. Yeah, he kind of seems like he's just he's like for a while. He's like an operations guy in the beginning. Uh-huh. He's helping do push-ups later on in the movie. I mean, it's what are you? A sergeant? Are you a crew chief? Are you a special? I'm just he's what, like he's just with Maverick. It don't even matter. Yeah, he's just he's a wingman now. Yeah, he's <laughs> with Maverick. He is like you said, he's running team, he's running point on the mission, uh, the Dark Star trying to hit 10 G's. And then, like you said, he's basically a, a, a side oh, instructor. Wait, mock 10. 10 Mach 10. 
gravity. Yeah. It's, yeah. Sorry. Mach ten. Technical. I, I, I appreciate that, which makes him the fastest man in the world. Um, and then he's basically a co-instructor at Top Gun, and then he's at the he's on the carrier, like saying, like, "Hey, if I don't ever see you again, like he just goes yeah. where Maverick goes." He does, and I didn't expect to see him later on in the movie. I thought he was just a Dark Star portion, and that was it. And yeah, they just keep bringing him back, but he kind of centers Maverick every time he shows up. And then, obviously, they it literally the way that they mirror like the way that they kind of all hit on Charlie before she shows up, and everyone's like, "Oh shit, we just hit on the teacher," you know? Yes. Like they do the same thing where the, just the clever. It's so clever. Exactly scene it's it's so amazing in a different way but it's just amazing and it, it's yeah. clever in the way that it it is it, it's not the exact same scene it is they flip it and they it's an homage and it is from the other direction and it is it's 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 to call it a carbon copy would be doing it an injustice because it's then it just not sounds, a carbon copy. no but it is the same feel the same style of intro to the team that right. you're going to work with. And, and it, yeah, it's the exact, it's, it's shown almost the same exact way in the very beginning, especially like they even do an overhead shot of him walking in mm-hmm. where that was, that was different because in the original, they show her shoes as she's walking in, but the setup of chairs is the same way. Yep, right? exactly. Now they're in a hangar where it was like a covering before and stuff like that little little subtle differences and but the second he's done walking in it's all different yeah it's now yeah. it's back to what we just yeah we just threw out our commanding officer we just threw out our you know whatever yeah. and then Here's he the manual, how to fly a plane you don't need this you and again know it like that's another part like another like this movie just has a bunch of moments where you're just like oh yeah he literally takes the rule book and throws it in the trash it's the most arch broad obvious thing to communicate to the audience like the rules are going out the window it just works so damn well it doesn't come off as overly cheesy it doesn't come off as overly hokey and then he gets him up in the air and gets to pull a viper on him and just literally i mean not not physically but he takes him to he beats the shit out of him he takes him to task he's like i am the greatest one up in the air And I didn't say this earlier, but it's, it is definitely one of my favorite scenes is, you know, they start doing that. That whole section, that whole flight segment is amazing. Yeah, he literally dogfights them all, knocks them all out. But in the very beginning of that, Coyote sits, I think it's Coyote, sits there and it's like, all right, old man, you know, uh, what do you, you want to put some skin, basically put some skin in the game, you know? Right, what's, what's the, the wager? You know? And I think it's really cool that they had that one of the training pilots, one of the other top gun pilots, and not Maverick saying that. Like I think if Maverick had said, okay, kids, you know, whoever loses is getting doing push-ups, that would have been the same. Right. It had to be like tie back to the old man flying and trying to teach me. Right. And, and it's just awesome because afterwards he's kicked their ass and through the whole montage of all the all the fill all the fighting jets and all the pilots going through they just keep adding people doing push-ups it's a fantastic <laughs> and montage hondo's sitting there like you know like a sergeant at arms saying all right 101 102 it's it's fantastic <laughs> and so i this gives us a chance to talk about uh the rooster maverick conflict which Ooh. 
I, the easy thing to do would have been, I'm mad because my, like, you got my dad killed. That's not what this is. Like, if there's, they, again, in the comps. No, he, but he, he uses it as a low blow, right? Like, when he says, like, you know, I need you to trust me or whatever he says. And he's like, oh, like my dad did. Like, that's a low, low blow specifically like that is a heat seeking missile designed to hurt Maverick as much as possible. But the conflict is again in the past in something that doesn't exist that we've never seen, but is really cleverly addressed where Maverick actually pulled his Naval Academy papers and pulled him and cost four years of his career. And as we find out, he did it because he promised Meg Ryan's character who died off screen which I'm glad they recognized that. They, they didn't say your mom died or whatever. Right. They had a lot of flashbacks in the beginning. I mean, we should back it up a little bit because uh, before he shoots down the dog fighting the push-ups is the piano the, scene. The first, one of the first large emotional scenes in the movie where Rooster goes and starts playing the piano, doing Great Balls of Fire again, uh, like his dad does in the first movie. And you just, and you have Maverick outside the bar who had just got kicked out of the bar. Yeah. And you have him out there watching us and flashing back. Yeah. And they flashbacks to Anthony Edwards Goose playing the piano with, now we know Rooster, the son, sitting on the piano in that movie. Holy smokes. Like, you have- How many, t- how many times did you, how many times did you cry in this movie? Did you cry at all or did you keep it in? I got really close. I never actually cried. Uh, I would say twice though, I was on the edge of like ugly crying. <laughs> they got me at the end and-, and- and Val Kilmer. I'll, I'll jump ahead just a little bit because we'll go back to this. But at the very end, when he says, like, it's what my dad would have done. I like, oh, you son of a bitch. Top gun. You got me. <laughs> but it's it's again, it's a really clever like. They didn't go for a cheap heat kind of kind of thing. These two had a valuable relationship. No, and it was subtle, right? So they, they do it. They have the emotional segment of it because they're, they're dealing with Maverick really fighting off his demons again. Again. Uh, which is the first movie, fighting off his demons. And that one is more, is more his dad and then becomes Goose. But, you know, on this one, it, he is focused on Goose, but Rooster's really just focused on, you pull my damn papers, dude. It cost me four years of my career. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to fly. Yeah, I want to fly. You know, Um and so I think that was interesting. That, that adds that new plot line for this movie that becomes original and they have to discuss and, you know, come up with a solution for how to handle this. Yeah. And they do a really good job with that. And that's where Jennifer Connelly also steps in. Is really uh, a nice touching moment too, where she's devising Maverick on how to deal with Brewster, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So she, there's some good stuff she, there. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's just, again, it's very simple, but it's very well done. Um, Let's talk man though that was one yeah because he is he is a link so obviously val kilmer has been going through throat cancer and has been going through all these health issues and val kilmer is such a beloved maybe arguably even and this might be a little hearsay here but maybe more iconic than tom cruise in top gun (laughs) No, think about it though, man. Think about no. like the teeth bite that he does, 
the buzz cut, the blonde tips, like a lot, a a lot of iconography. Okay, maybe not more than, but at least equal to. I will will give you that. I'll give you equal to. Yeah, he doesn't have the long long play that Tom Cruise had uh, as Maverick. I mean, everybody wanted to be Maverick as a kid afterwards. Right. Uh, I'm not necessarily Iceman because Iceman was a little bit more of a bully. True. So, um, but yeah, they're both, I mean, both endearing characters. Yeah. And he looms over this movie because it is talked about. He is the one who pulls and uh, pulls for Maverick to join Top Gun. He's an admiral now. He's texting with Tom Cruise. And you're wondering, like, are we going to give Val Kilmer? And we do. And they they uh, include the, the throat cancer as part of the story. And that's yeah, I thought that was so well done. That it moment. Address it immediately. And they do it in such a nice, casual way, in a way. I mean, it's just like so easy. Right. He shows up to the Bell's house. Who's what's he? The fleet commander, Pacific fleet commander. Yeah. Admiral. He's the top dog. He's the top boss and shows up at his house. His wife's there. And in like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, they've already covered that there's an issue, there's a medical issue, and he's sick, really sick. And that sets you up perfectly for now the Val Kilmer scene where him and Maverick talk and go through obviously a really emotional moment. Um, and they, right, I mean, I think they did well. They, they had him typing uh, onto a screen that he could read, very Stephen Hawking-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, sit there doing that instead. And this is also where I think Tom Cruise did some of his best acting oh. of the whole movie. Because it, you could just see the pain in that, that character's face. Like there's that close-up of his face for a long time. I, it felt like a long time. And you could just see the emotions, all of them weighing on him and him trying to figure it out without him saying a word. I mean, he that is probably one of the best acting moments he's had. And to uh, Val Kilmer's credit too, like, he looks great for everything that he's gone through looks great. And I read that they used some AI technology to help with his voice and help replicate his voice for the couple I, of moments where yeah, he does I, speak. Right. I don't know if that's ever been proved. They ever really said, is it actually his voice or is it fake? So, I mean, like him, but I know I, he can't. I read a couple of articles where it was something like that. It's very similar to the way that they've like de-aged um, Mark Hamill's voice in like the young, as they brought in young Luke Skywalker for a couple of star Wars yep. things. They've basically ran every piece of line reading they ever could of Mark Hamill through a computer, every script read, every interview, every audio show, every bit and piece of Mark Hamill's audio that they could, they ran it through and then they pair that with his vocal technology and they just turn it into a de-aged and and youthful, you know, type of delivery. And I believe they did something similar here. Also, I know for, uh, for other projects, um, his son, Val Kilmer's son has, dubbed and done voiceover work uh i think he voiced over parts of the documentary val that 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 he made um so a little bit everything right a little bit everything i mean he doesn't say much but i love the ending of that emotional scene it's so good and then obviously i I think we just leave that to the the listeners later on i mean that's a moment at the very end of the val kilmer maverick scene there's only one 
is like the, one of the best jokes, one of the best lines. It's, it's a so great good. way to break the tension that they created. And right? to show and that, that these guys have been friends for 30 years. This whole time they've been friends. Yeah. Yeah. I love season. that. Yes. Um, I love that. I love that. Uh, you know, the, the, the montages of them, you know, running through the canyon. The, the one thing we haven't talked about really is the fact that this movie's final mission is Star Wars. Like oh, it is totally the Death Star trench. It's the Death Star trench run. A couple of curves. <laughs> a couple of curves, a couple of a couple of additional G forces. Um, but damn if it doesn't work. It and, work. and they they trial run it like you know, I'm reminded of some of like the great, you know, I'm reminded the, the movie that pops into my head, and David will appreciate this when he hears this, but the movie that pops in my head is all of the practice sequences from the movie Miracle with uh, mm. Kurt Russell, where yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they just practice their ass off and we are going to be the best. And that's what it reminded me of is we are going to train yeah, and train I mean, and train. This is a training movie. That's what it yeah. is. A training for a real event. Uh, and they, they I, I mean, from a technical side, I think they kept it very accurate overall. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a couple of gaps, but I think they kept it actually pretty accurate as far as the flight scenes for it. Um, how they would actually handle a mission like that. I mean, obviously we wouldn't do a mission like this necessarily. There's other aircraft, stealth fighters, all the stuff. Sure, 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 sure. But, you know, they're, they're able to dance around that and say, oh, well, we're going to keep it with the Navy. It's like, okay, really? Come on. Like, right. <laughs> you mean, you, you, sure you can drop a missile from two miles. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so It's got some Mission Impossible or Mission Impossible kind of-esque feels to it. Um Oh, that the, you're going to do, you're going to succeed, even though you should fail. <laughs> the last 15 minutes of this movie are turned into a Mission Impossible movie, which I have, again, no problems with. But yeah, like they have bunker busters that they can drop from like two miles up in the atmosphere. Yeah, the motor they, of all they, bombs. If they really by. had to. But <laughs> that, again, if that wouldn't be very fun. And it uh, again, another one of those holy shit moments is where. Cyclones like we're doing would like uh, when when Tom Cruise is grounded, Cyclones like we're doing this in three minutes or whatever, and then Tom Cruise steals a plane and shows everybody that it can be done, and that is just another one of those. And they have to do it in <laughs> exactly. fifteen seconds less time than they they're expected to do it in. And everyone and does it, but I mean, I love that part. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like hell yeah, thank you. You that's Maverick. It's so good. <laughs> They have said that basically for the last 30 years, he's been a test pilot. Yeah. And he's been in the war. They talked about a couple of wars that he was in because he went to Bosnia, Iraq twice. They mentioned that. Um, so they tell him some history of what actually has been going on for 30 years. And if you're a test pilot flying Mach 10 earlier in the movie in Dark Star, you know, which is basically, I, I think they're really mimicking like the, um, and I should, I will segue here a bit. I really love how they, they played into uh, Skunk Works. I think yeah. movie. So you see that in the very beginning because that's basically the new SR seventy one Blackbird. It's what they're. It's trying a. To talk about. It's a fake plane for the movie fake version, but yes. but it was real enough that the mock up made China adjust their satellites. Oh yes, like that's dope. <laughs> and they are building something like that. So you know, and I mean, that's a whole different podcast another day. Oh yeah, but you know, 
that that was great that they explained all that and then show him going to do it faster than they need to do it. Like, hey, guys, this is possible. Um, you just have to focus. And he's grunt, and 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 he shows his age too when he he throws his body into the stick and he's grunting when he's taking those turns, and it's just. It is. It's uh, but Maverick. It shows that Maverick has to push himself to the absolute limit, yes. in order to get it done. And, it's and like then, the first movie, yeah, he's got to push it to the limit. And then yeah. you get the and then you get the final mission. And and oh my, I loved it. Okay, first of all, this was shot in my backyard in South Lake Tahoe. This is when the F fourteen shows up. Yes, and I just—I mean, I can't believe they pulled that shit off. Because first of all, the U.S. doesn't fly F-14s for a long time. No, we don't have. Uh, they're all destroyed. In fact, a little movie background for the production side: to drive up to South Lake Tahoe from Sacramento is a two-lane mountain road. It's windy. It's a highway, U.S. 50, but it's only two lanes. It's not that wide, and they had to close the highway for like I think two days or three days to haul what was actually only the front half of an F-14, because they don't have a full F-14. They oh, that's so series. funny. They don't have a cockpit portion. Uh, and they haul it up there and put it at the airport. But I don't know if you knew this. They actually put in the uh, potholes, but basically the bomb areas on the runway that they show, because they bombed the runway, yeah. the cruise missile, earlier on. They actually did that there, because the oh, airport okay. was... So they're like, well, yeah, you can destroy it. So that was awesome. Also... There's a scene where he ejects out of the F-18 earlier. That's also in Lake Tahoe, a place called Sawmill Flats um, in South Lake Tahoe, where he actually was walking around doing that scene. You know? Oh, and man. Was, and all that. So all that was there. Plus, the rest of the movie, just if anybody didn't know, you can look up location stuff on it. But most of it was done in either found Nevada, where Top Gun is now, because Top Gun's not in Miramar in San Diego anymore. That gotcha. was really switched. Uh, Lamore, which is down by Fresno and china lake and then i think there's a little pacific northwest too so they had a couple of mixes of things but i think they did a really good job in that final scene when you look at the backgrounds lake tahoe is noticeable if you paused it okay if you pause it you will recognize it uh but they do a good job of kind of hiding that and then mixing it with other locations for the exact same sequence so let me so. ask you and we'll talk obviously we're gonna we got to talk more about the final mission but i actually so I heard this on another, I'm going to just say, I, I heard this on another podcast, or I think I read this. I can't remember. I read this somewhere. But where do you think that the final mission was? Because again, another really smart thing that they do is that they just take the geopolitics out of it. And it's just, these are just, it's just an unnamed country. And these are unnamed bad guys without markings or whatever. And that is one of the things that I think makes Top Gun timeless. I think it's one of the things that's going to make this uh, movie timeless. But Somebody did the research onto what country this probably is, but if you had to guess, what country were we were we hitting up? I mean, you want to say Russia because it was obviously a Russian MiG. Uh, I don't think it's a MiG. I think it was like the uh, they called the SU fifty seven. It's the felon. A felon. Uh, yep. It looks like it reminded me of the Raptor. Yeah, it is. It's a fifth generation fighter, so yeah. it's the newest stuff, and it does all those crazy things. Which, by the way, all that was CGI, one hundred percent. The move, but the move, the move. Russia that, only have like ten of them. <laughs> the 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 move that the one. Um, oh, where he's behind him is like floating behind, flipping backwards. That is a real move. There's literally a video of somebody doing that maneuver. 
I've seen it right down the street from my it's house here. And we've had F-22s here doing demos uh, during when they do the air shows. And it, it does exactly that. It's wild. It's like, wild. Um, but they did a great job with that. But what country is that? I mean, you want to say Russia because of that. I mean, they're the only ones that make that plane and have it. But, I mean, obviously the next obvious would be like uh, North Korea. Right. But I don't, I don't buy that one. Um, mountainous. I mean, it's got to be like China. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to double check my work. Real quick. No army Iran? And maybe it's Iran. Cause you know what? I mean, that'd be interesting. I mean, Iran would make the most sense if you were being logical as the movie told no sense in that I believe Iran is the only one with F-14s left. I believe I I'm almost certain it is Iran because I, if my memory serves me correctly, it's, one of the only countries that we gave F-14s to. Yes. Um, yeah. There have been a couple so of... I, there, they, they still have a couple. Yeah, yeah. There, were, there were a couple people uh, uh, who... There's a whole article that says that the actual country is the rogue nation from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. <laughs> yes. I can totally see that. Yes. I'm but sure I, they were... Yeah. Writer conversations about tying that in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, uh, feels the same. Yeah, I can see that. Mountainous, snowy. They have F-14s. Um, had one. Yeah. Well, they had one at this one, but I mean, damn. Just now, did you think Maverick got, was going to die? Do you think they were going to do it? He says goodbye to Honda. All this type of stuff. I I thought for sure they're going to kill him off. I mean, there's no way. You know, if they ever did a third, there's no way he's coming back for it uh, unless he's, oh, he wouldn't be flying. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of thought they would. And, but it, I guess I figured it wasn't going to happen yet because the timing of that scene was still too early in the movie. Right. And if you're going to kill Maverick off, you're going to kill him off in a big way at the very end. Right. We still have you're 15 minutes. Oh, more than that, I think. Maybe 15, so, 20 minutes. Yeah. Too soon. Uh, I I absolutely love how the rooster takes over his dad's role. There's a great, great oh. line. Looking for the break. I mean, there's so many great lines in this part and in the whole movie. But he's like, he gets in the back of the F-14. First of all, the way he got into the back of the plane is how they actually do it. Climb on the back of the wings or crawl up. So all of that was, I loved all the detail because it was like so accurate of how they really would do this. And he gets in, he's like, oh my God, this is so old. Like, yeah. I don't understand, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then he's looking for circuit breakers to get the radio to work or something like that. And there's this great line where he's like, well, where is it? And he's like, I don't know. That was your, ja- your dad's job. <laughs> like, this great throwback to Goose. And he becomes Goose to Maverick. He does. Oh my God. Heart pulls again. He starts calling him Mav. He starts being like, they're on our tail, Mav. Oh, do something, Mav. And it's just like, oh my God. And uh, then... How about this other tie-in? I mean, did you catch it? He can't eject. Yep. Out of the F-14. He tries. They're going to eject. He can't. That's an interesting throwback to him being in the back with Goose, uh, with Maverick and Goose, when they eject. And he he goes to eject, and he can't do it. Can't do it. And Um, that was It's just just so... And Hangman saves the day. And then Hangman... The first movie gets his redemption. Uh, Maverick gets to, is an ace, is officially an ace for sure. Yes, he's five 
kills. That's an ace. He's an ace. Five kills makes him an ace. The whole and again, like the whole end where he's just like, like when when Rooster says like it's what my dad would have done. Like that was oh. as as that's the you can be my wingman anytime. Like that hit me, like yes, big time. Exactly the same feels. Yes. And it was. It, it, I mean, the whole movie is full of a whole bunch of comedic action in there. Yeah. Uh, tons of like lightheartedness to kind of break up the seriousness of the movie or the emotional sadness of the movie. You know, and then it'll hit you with a great, co- you know, comedic uplift. And right. Then, and that's really well done. Right. In that sense. Right. Exactly. I, uh... I loved Redemption. That was awesome. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, when they're going to bring it. It had to bring him back in. I mean, he was sitting there. It goes back to the first movie again. Maverick sitting there on Cat 5 alert, you know, waiting to go in to, to fight with Iceman. But he's on reserve until the last second. Save the day. Hangman on the carrier, held back. And then out of nowhere, he blows up the, the felon, the SU-57 or whatever it is. Yeah. Blows it up. while it's launching a missile to kill Maverick. That's the was so good is that the missile is on the way but gets caught in the explosion and it's like oh <laughs> oh my god it's just incredible it it is what blockbuster filmmaking can be it is and then crashes an F fourteen on the carrier yep does the net catches in the does net the and everything because he has no front landing gear anymore uh which that is kind of silly but that's a great way to to make that happen I guess right but because it would have just the plane would have crashed, right? Right. Because it would have gone the engine. They buzzed the tower. We did buzz the tower. That's right. <laughs> so they had the whole like coffee mug. Josh Hands kind of the guy had a coffee mug. Exactly. Uh, first- yes. It's so it's that's what, that's what made it three hundred million dollars plus. Is all those little subtle tie-ins to the original. You, like you said, you don't need to see the original first. You should, so you understand who Penny Benjamin references. Uh, so you understand the flyby and the importance of the flyby, you know. But they all, but they, but they didn't do it cheesy because they didn't do things like uh, Ghost Rider coming wants to do a pass flyby. No, we didn't do any of that. He just did a flyby. Exactly. They don't be. They are. They are very subtle. They are very clever. They are not done in a any homage, any throwback, any any one of those things is either is done very deliberately and very intelligently and again just in a in a way that just makes you go oh i know what you're doing and it's working and it's really great it's just really great it made me literally i leaned over to you when we were done i was just like damn i love movies so much i love movies so much um top gun three wait wait wait. no nitpicks Nitpicks. Nitpicks. Now that's okay. Are there any nitpicks? I know I asked you if you thought Maverick should die or was going to die. Should Maverick Maverick have died? I think you could have had a story like that. Um, I like it better how it was, him on the carrier at the end. That's the exact same ending as the first movie. So you started the movie the same way the first one, you ended it the same way as the first one. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So in that sense, I'm glad I didn't kill him. But you're getting into some bullshit stuff, especially with the F-14. That scene. The, All of that. The, the the how I mean how long is the runway like fifty yards? <laughs> took off. Yeah, I mean, and he knocks off the front wheel on the hangar. Well, that would have crashed the plane. I mean, the, the whole thing's bullshit. That was all for fans. That's yeah. all that was. And yeah, I appreciated it, and I realized it because all the other fighter scenes are real. Right. 
honest to God moves, things that pilots really do and did are they're all real. The the movie so, buys enough goodwill, right? It buys you enough, especially you as a as a jet fan, as a as a as an airplane fan, and as somebody yeah. who knows this stuff. Even but subconsciously in the audience, for somebody who doesn't know it, like myself, you recognize that there is enough real world in camera flying and dog fighting and stuff to where at the very end they could do some goofy shit and they've bought good they bought equity in in your audience like it's like okay we've gotten you to believe all of this which means you will now believe this little kind of maybe slightly at this point the mission is done right the the main mission of the movie is achieved right and now they can have a little bit of fun for the last right. 10 minutes. Tom Cruise gets to run, which made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, he runs the same way in every movie. He does, and he's got to run in every movie, and it's just awesome. It's just like, cool, Tom Cruise running. And the, again, that whole bit where, I mean, this isn't even a nitpick, but like when they start yelling at each other, when he's just like, no, I saved your life. That's not how this is supposed to work. What were yeah. you thinking? You told me not to think. Like it is. And then it just stops. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's so good. <laughs> I would say my biggest nitpick is more locations. Sure. So, and I heard this on another podcast a couple of days ago uh, because they do most of it. They say it's in North Island, but that is not where Top Gun is. Top Gun is in the middle of the desert and outside of Reno, Nevada. It's a horrible place. <laughs> but they have lots of places to fly and nobody to bug. But it's not in Miramar anymore, and it's definitely not on Coronado Island like they assume, like they allude to. North Island is basically just the north side of Coronado. Yeah, and that's not where it is. So that was just purely for the background scenes and make it better, and for them to be able to do the football beach scene and stuff. But that's absolutely not where they would have been. It would have been in the Moore or Fallon Air Force Base and or Naval Air Naval Air Station, and. Um, so I'm a little disappointed they didn't really acknowledge the fact that Fallon is where this is. They actually, there's the scenes early on in the movie where he's flying the F-18 low level across the desert, you know, skimming the desert like 50 feet, 100 feet, whatever it is. Uh, all that was real, real flying. They, they do that. And that was in Fallon. Okay. So that was actually the Top Gun pilots doing, well, they did all the flying, but that was actually at the air base there. See, now my biggest nitpick is that there isn't a bar on the beach anywhere in San Diego called the Flight Deck because I would love to go there. I would be there tomorrow. I'm very sad. It was awesome. With the rules, no cell phone on, on bar. No cell phone. Around. All the rules were great. The fact that it's right there on the beach, and I was just like, well, that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it looked awesome. I mean, maybe in Coronado somewhere it does. I mean, and I've never been in the Marine Base or the Naval Base there, so maybe. Does – I don't does, know. I Google Maps. I didn't see anything. Does a pilot survive an ejection at Mach 10? No. But I love <laughs> I love him walking into that. No, that's a great note to pick. I mean, that, yeah, no. But I, I, mean, I love the Dark Star scene. I mean, it's so it's, good. Things flying over like a comet. I mean, it's just so cool. But – uh, I'm really big in discomfort on what they pulled off. Yeah, they built the F-117 Nighthawk, the F-22, all these amazing planes over the years. And they gave a lot of uh, homage to them and what they've been building. But the, um, yeah, it's, um, I'm going to lose my words here where I was thinking here. But yeah, I don't know. Just go it's, with it. No, <laughs> it I awesome. mean, 
there, there's <laughs> that one shot where it's from like the it's from space basically and you see the slingshot of the of the dark star going around and i was just like oh this movie's on another level uh when yeah. they when they threw that shot in and again like they go back like the whole bit about him walking into the cafe and him being like where am i and the kid just being like earth like that is yes. that is very spielberg-esque like kind oh of that my God. All the et feels and everything yeah. yeah it's very kitschy in a way that seems old-fashioned but was just incredibly incredibly welcome um other than that i don't have any many other nitpicks i mean we talked about how john ham is kind of like well okay he's got to be this character um, he's a stick up the ass type character you yeah, gotta have it you gotta have it you gotta have it. somebody's gotta try and rein in maverick you know but he gives him <laughs> he gives him a little courtesy salute on the carry at the very end it's true you know, like, that's, whatever. that's the best part about these the movies is like, oh, going hell yeah maverick John Hamm's like, eh, here's a little salute. Begrudging <laughs> respect. Like, that's the old-fashionedness of, like, we hate each other, but we're on the same team, and I don't like you, but damn it, I respect you. And that's what makes, that's like sports movies. It's the main conflict is can these guys put away their egos, put away their interpersonal conflicts to get the job done? And then when they do, when you have that character who's been an antagonist for so long, who's just now they're friends. It is so satisfying. It's there's no other. It's it's so much more satisfying. I don't want to say it's so much more satisfying because it's not so much more satisfying, but the victory over the villain again, the 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 whole celebration, both in Top Gun and its sequel, the celebration on the flight deck isn't about like we beat the bad guys. It's we we did this as a team. We yes. won the mission. Nobody, it's not like Thanos, like, oh, Thanos was some great thing and we saved the world. Like, you guys were friends and teammates for a long time. You barely had any internal conflict. I love that. I love that this villain gets, the, that we get to have these interpersonal conflicts, that we get to deal with these emotions, and that the resolution is we all get to get together and blow the shit out of the bad guys. Yes, like, and that's what you're saying. You know, that's what's going to make this movie last another 30 years is you can watch it anytime, no matter what's going on in the world, because they don't really talk about a bad person or country or anything. It's just a mission. Yeah. In a, in a country that they need to do a mission. in. That's all it is. Now, granted, they were fighting Russian MIGs, but whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, to, hey, whatever. <laughs> to, to that point, to that question, should there be a Top Gun? Th- not, not. Would you see a Top Gun three? Because that absolute yes, obviously. Yeah. Should, uh, there, should be there be? One? Absolutely not. I think they've reached. I, you, you would have to bring in and replace all those original characters that have so much history for so many. People. I mean, you could. Obviously, you can bring Hangman and Rooster back and reset the movie mm-hmm. with another mission movie, and I'd be surprised if they do that. Uh, just because of all the money they're making off of this, but I don't think they'll make they'll make nearly the money, even if they did another movie just as great. Because you're gonna you obviously not gonna have Val Kilmer again. You're probably mm-hmm. not gonna have a lot of those main characters again, and it's it's a fresh movie at that point. Call exactly. If it, here's the thing, Creed exists, and Creed is incredible, and. I- 
if they do, and I'm talking, and I'm talking Creed two. Creed two is not as good as Creed one, but Creed two is dope. But it's good. Yeah, they're making Creed three, and if they do Top Gun via Creed, I'm in. I'm in no matter. I mean, I'm in no matter what. If they make one, I'll see it. But, and it'll be difficult to not to after. I mean, it's gonna be after this. After after this weekend, it'll be over a half a million, uh, uh, half a billion dollars. And they should enjoy that. (laughs) It should bask in the glory. I don't really care, but let's not. Yeah, let's not go F ten on this thing. Like, I don't need ten versions. If you're gonna do that, they should have started that a long time ago. Right. Because you want to use those characters over and over throughout the sequences as you can, and you won't be able to do that now. And much like Creed, this puts these guys through the ringer. Like this puts these these actors through an immense amount of work. Yeah, they all had to learn how to fly planes, even though they didn't fly them. But to ride in them, they shot all their own video in the in the cockpits. I mean, they had to do a lot of work. They pulled real G's, you yeah, know, seven G's. They got them um, throwing up in puke bags and everything. And I don't think they had the chance to do that for this this long. I think that's what it was, you know. They didn't have the tech. It's it's like why is Avatar two so late? Yeah, coming back out. And Cameron's pretty straightforward. He's like the technology didn't exist for what I wanted to do. He's a and, and he's a lunatic. <laughs> well, he's a lunatic. Yes, but uh, he's a pretty amazing what he does build. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Ryan Avatar two trailer. Right. Oh my God, Avatar! Abbots- well, that's again a whole nother podcast. Whole nother podcast. I'll be there. This far. <laughs> I'm gonna you, paint. Guys. I'm gonna paint my face blue. I'll be there. Um, what do you got going on? What do you want to share with everybody? You you got anything you want to pitch? Anything you want to share? Any any any? Usually we have people on who are running their own side hustles, but your side hustle is pretty much the main hustle. I just sold my side hustle. So you did. Uh, my main hustle was my side hustle and I sold my side hustle and uh, my company going off to a Ryan advisor would be awesome. And we're joining forces with a bigger company. And I, as I've told you and I told my whole crew, you know, this is the second chapter of Redtail. Basically, you know, Redtail Big Kahuna. This is the Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> Maverick is the, the legacy sequel. Um, you know, that's what it's going to be. And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to a little R&R hopefully soon. Heck yeah. Um, I haven't had much of a break. I'm so happy COVID is basically, I mean, for the most part, done as far as shutdowns, all that crap. We can yeah. do things. We can go see these movies and movie theaters and get back to a sense of normalcy, you know, here and there, which I, the world desperately needs. So absolutely. And Tom Cruise brought it to us, man. Hell yeah. I know. And they showed his trailer from the new Mission Impossible Dude. Part One. Oh my god! Oh, oh my gosh! I can't wait. Just keep well, making these. Thank you for being here, man. I, I, I'm, I'm really, really, really. I loved hearing all the inside. I loved hearing all the the airplane talk. I loved hearing a lot of stuff that I even I didn't know, man. So, uh, very cool that they shot that in your backyard. Before we go. I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes sent to you just by hitting the subscribe button, hitting the follow button. Take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with your other good movie buddies. Also, we don't want you to forget that you can check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider supporting an independent film podcast at a time when film is back on the rise again. That's patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. 
course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. And last, but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for Big Kahuna Brian McLaughlin, I am your very best good movie buddy, Ricky Redtail, Rick Williamson. And we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.